Section number 65 of Narratives of Colored Americans. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Narratives of Colored Americans by Abigail Mott and M. S. Wood. Henry Boyd. From the Anti-Slavery Record. Henry Boyd was born a slave in Kentucky. Of imposing stature, well-knit muscles, and the countenance of one of nature's noblemen. At the age of 18, he had so far won the confidence of his master that he not only consented to sell him the right and title to his freedom, but gave his own time to earn the money. With a general pass from his master, Henry made his way to the Kenhawa Salt Works, celebrated as the place where Senator Ewing of Ohio chopped out his education with his axe, and there too, with his axe, did Henry Boyd chop out his liberty. By performing double labor, he got double wages. In the daytime, he swung his axe upon the wood, and for half the night, he tended the boiling salt kettles, sleeping the other half by their side. After having accumulated a sufficient sum, he returned to his master and paid it over for his freedom. He next applied himself to learn the trade of a carpenter and joiner. Such was his readiness to acquire the use of tools that he soon qualified himself to receive the wages of a journeyman. In Kentucky, Prejudice does not forbid master mechanics to teach colored men their trades. He now resolved to quit the dominions of slavery and try his fortunes in a free state, and accordingly directed his steps to the city of Cincinnati. The journey reduced his purse to the last quarter of a dollar, but, with his tools on his back and the consciousness of his ability to use them, he entered the city with a light heart. Little did he dream of the reception he was to meet. There was work enough to be done in his line, but no master workman would employ a colored man. Day after day did Henry Boyd offer his services from shop to shop, but as often was he repelled, generally with insult, and once with a kick. At last, he found the shop of an Englishman, too recently arrived to understand the grand peculiarity of American feeling. This man put a plane into his hand and asked him to make proof of his skill. This is in bad order, said Boyd, and with that he gave the instrument certain nice professional knocks with the hammer till he brought it to suit his practiced eye. Enough, said the Englishman. I see you can use tools. Boyd, however, proceeded to dress a board in a very able and workmanlike manner, while the journeymen from a long line of benches gathered round with looks that bespoke a deep personal interest in the matter. You may go to work, said the master of the shop, right glad to employ such a good workman. The words had no sooner left his mouth than his American journeymen, unbuttoning their aprons, called, as one man for the settlement of their wages. What? What? said the amazed Englishman. What does this mean? 
It means that we will not work with a nigger, replied the journeyman. But he is a first-rate workman. But we won't stay in the same shop with a nigger. We are not in the habit of working with niggers. Then I will build a shanty outside, and he shall work in that. No, no, we won't work for a boss who employs niggers. Pay us up, and we'll be off. The poor master of the shop turned with a despairing look to Boyd. You see how it is, my friend? My workmen will all leave me. I am sorry for it, but I can't hire you. Even at this repulse, our adventurer did not despair. There might still be mechanics in the outskirts of the city who had too few journeymen to be bound by their prejudices. His quarter of a dollar had long since disappeared. But, by carrying a traveler's trunk, or turning his hand to any chance job, he contrived to exist till he had made application to every carpenter and journer in the city and its suburbs. Not one would employ him. By this time, the iron of prejudice, more galling than anything he had ever known of slavery, had entered his soul. He walked down to the river's bank below the city, and throwing himself upon the ground, gave way to an agony of despair. He had found himself the object of universal contempt. His plans were all frustrated, his hopes dashed, and his dear, bought freedom made of no effect. By such trials, weak minds are prostrated and abject and slavish servility, and stronger ones are made the enemies and depredators of society. It is only the highest class of moral heroes that come off like gold from the furnace. Of this class, however, was Henry Boyd. Recovering from his dejection, he surveyed the brawny muscles that strung his Herculean frame. A new design rushed into his mind, and new resolution filled his heart. He sprang upon his feet and walked firmly and rapidly towards the city, doubtless with aspirations that might have suited the words of the poet. Thy spirit, independence, let me share. Lord of the lion heart and eagle eye. The first object which attracted his eagle eye on reaching the city was one of the huge river boats laden with pig iron, drawn up to the landing. The captain of this craft was just inquiring of the merchant who owned its contents, for a hand to insist in unloading it. I am the very fellow for you, said Boyd, stripping off his coat, rolling up his sleeves, and laying hold of the work. Yes, sure enough, that is the very fellow for you, said the merchant. The resolution and the alacrity of Boyd interest him exceedingly, and during the four or five days in which a flotilla of boats were discharging their cargoes of pig iron with unaccustomed dispatch, he became familiar with his history, with the exception of all that pertained to his trade, which Boyd thought proper to keep to himself. In consequence, our adventurer next found himself promoted to the portership of the merchant's store, a post which he filled 
to great satisfaction. He had a hand and a head for everything, and an occasion was not long waiting to prove it. A joiner was engaged to erect a counter, but failing by a drunken frolic, the merchant was disappointed and vexed. Rather in passion than in earnest, he turned to his faithful porter. Here, Henry, you can do almost anything. Why can't you do this job? Perhaps I could, sir, if I had my tools and the stuff, was the reply. Your tools, exclaimed the merchant in surprise, for till now he knew nothing of his trade. Boyd explained that he had learned the trade of a carpenter and joiner and had no objection to try the job. The merchant handed him the money and told him to make as good a counter as he could. The work was done with such promptitude, judgment, and finish that his employer broke off a contract for the erection of a large frame warehouse, which he was about closing with the same mechanic who had disappointed him in the matter of the counter, and gave the job to Henry. The money was furnished, and Boyd was left to procure the materials and boss the job at his own discretion. This he found no difficulty in doing, and what is remarkable among the numerous journeymen whom he employed were some of the very men who took off their aprons at his appearance in the Englishman's shop. The merchant was so pleased with his new warehouse that he proceeded to set up the intelligent builder in the exercise of his trade in the city. Thus, Henry Boyd found himself raised at once almost beyond the reach of the prejudice which had well-nigh crushed him. He built houses and accumulated property. White journeymen and apprentices were glad to be in his employment and to sit at his table. He is now a wealthy mechanic, living in his own house in Cincinnati, and his enemies, who have tried to supplant him, have as good reason as his friends to know that he is a man of sound judgment and a most vigorous intellect. Without having received a day's schooling in his life, Henry Boyd is well-read in history, has an extensive and accurate knowledge of geography, is an excellent arithmetician, and is remarkable for his morality, generosity, and all those traits which mark a noble character. End of section number 65, read by Kevin Waters, Spring Hill, Florida, July 23rd, 2021.